This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Are you distracted by financial stress at work, in your relationships, and in your health? Well, this is a great episode for you today. Before I introduce my guest, don't forget to head on over to OverwhelmSucks.com. You did hear that right, OverwhelmSucks.com, to get my brand new free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. There are quick ways because I know the last thing you want to do when you're overwhelmed is to read a long report. So 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com. Jen Lee is a debt and credit strategy attorney. Oh, she's an attorney, so I got to be on my best behavior today. And she's also owner of Jen Lee Law Incorporated. She is a leading expert on debt, credit, and financial stress, having been featured in Consumer Affairs, U.S. News and World Report, and other national publications. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Now, right now, Jen is in North Dakota. And before we started recording, I told her, I know that it's a good thing you're in North Dakota in August, because we just recorded this yesterday on August 12th, and not in the wintertime, because it would not be uh, spring-like, summer-like in North Dakota this time in December. Not particularly, no. So yes, it's a good time to be here in the summer. (laughs) So now you're an attorney. So tell us a little bit of background because, you know, people have one or two reactions when they come to attorney. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, or like, wow, that's fascinating. So you went to school. Where did you get your degree from? So my law degree is from the University of Richmond in Virginia. And you practice now when you're a lawyer, yeah. Is it like a doctor, you have the basic courses, then you specialize at the same thing? No. So when you're a lawyer, you have the basic courses and that's it. They don't give you any specializations in law school. You kind of pick that as you come out of law school, like where you want to go. And so I came out of law school in 2009. And if you remember 2009, we were in the middle of a huge recession. Yep. And so I opened my own firm straight out of law school and started doing bankruptcy work in 2010. And so I've been doing bankruptcy work since then, but I've changed it over the last 10 or so years to debt and credit because there are so many people out there struggling that mm-hmm. it's easier to help more people that way. So. so if you wanted to, you could say, I want to be a criminal lawyer. Yes, I could go do that tomorrow. I would have to a lot to learn and you have to pick things up. But yes, I could go do that tomorrow if I wanted to. One of my good friends is a criminal lawyer. And I, I asked him, I said, what is the biggest you know myth that people have about your type of work? He goes, they watch TV shows and they think <laughs> trials are wrapped up in 45 minutes. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yes, that is the most frustrating thing about TV shows, too, when you're a lawyer. I can't watch them. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you think about it. I mean, can you imagine if they did a real live right. trial? People, because a lot of boring parts, shuffling sure. papers and phone calls. And anyway, so let's talk about the financial stress. You know, this is 2022. We had this thing uh, happen in 2020. Uh, the, I can't say the word because I'll get censured on Spotify. And <laughs> a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people were bringing out the credit cards and they are, you know, now they're trying to pay those debts off. The, the 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 funny story I have regarding credit, and I know you'll get a kick out of this. When I was a young lad, many, many years ago, I was living on my own and I got this credit card from a company called Radio Shack. I don't know if anybody remembers Radio Shack. <laughs> and I had like a $500 limit on it. So I went down to Radio Shack and I bought this portable stereo back then in the 80s. 
portable stereos. You know, the portable stereos, you know, the yep. two big speakers. And I bought one for like $130 and I got the bill and it says, you only have to pay $10. I'm like, this is such a cool racket. I didn't understand about interest. <laughs> so I paid that thing off. I didn't pay $130 for it. By the time you added all the interest, it was over 200 bucks, but I didn't know that. I just thought I was, I thought I was beating the system, but sadly the creditors are, are always going to get you their money, right? They are. And, and you're not the only one who doesn't understand interest and how compound interest. Well, I understand it now. I didn't understand it. I know, but you're not the only one in the world who does, who starts out like that. I would say a lot of people start out not understanding that. (laughs) Or you go to a sporting event and they're like, Hey, sign up for credit card to get a shirt or a free pizza. And when you are a young college student, you're stupid. And you like, Oh, I want the really cool shirt. That's got the bank logo on there with your team's logo in the, in the corner of the shirt. It's like, I look back and I'm like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, it's just now you can't do that. Apparently because of President Obama, you you can't go on college campuses and give free pizza and stuff like that because people are getting into a world of hurt. Were they not? They were, and they did. And a lot of it was just lack of education. And I do a lot of harping on financial literacy and education so that people don't get in the situation where they ever need me. But if they do, I want them to know how to get out of it is kind of my soapbox that I talk about a lot. So let's say someone is listening to our conversation and they're like, oh my gosh, I am, you know, I made a lot of big decisions financially during the pandemic and, um, now I'm in a world of hurt. So now I have these big credit card bills and I don't want to lose my house or my apartment or my townhouse. And I got to feed the kids and I got to keep the car going and the insurance and, and they feel underwater. What options do they legally have? Cause we don't want to do anything shady. We want yes. to do things by the book. So what legal options do people have? Because they're under a lot of stress right now. They are. And what I want to first tell people that are in that situation is they're not alone. I tell people all the time, the elephant in the room, if you ever see anything of my postings on Facebook or LinkedIn, I tell people the elephant in the the room is that 70% of Americans have a debt or credit problem of some sort. And no one talks about it. So you think you're alone. You think, oh my gosh, if someone hears that I have these problems, they're going to think way less of me. And you're more worried about what other people think of you than actually solving your problems. Mm. So that's the first thing I want people to remember is you're not alone. A lot of shame involved? There's a ton of shame. People come in all the time to my office and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got in this situation. But what you don't realize is when you are financially stressed or when you're stressed in general, not just financial you make irrational decisions because you're not thinking clearly and you can't sift through all the information that's out there. And Google, the internet's a great thing, but it also gives (laughs) really bad advice sometimes. (laughs) But that's where you turn to and you see late night television commercials. Well, you have the right to settle your debt for pennies on the dollar and all these scams that are out there. So for legal options, a lot of times what we're looking at is, is there a way to budget out of what we do? Can we do it without super legal strategy? And then we start looking at consolidation or settlement or even bankruptcy. And when we start talking about bankruptcy, people freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, the B word, you totally. (laughs) What I want people to realize is that bankruptcy is something that really smart people and the one percenters use to solve their financial problems. And you've been trained to think that it's a horrible thing. You're not being shipped off to Siberia. <laughs> exactly. And you can buy a house one year after bankruptcy. You can. There's all kinds of things you can do to rebuild your credit. And 
a lot of states, you can keep your house and file for bankruptcy. So when you were talking about how do I keep my house, I want to keep my car, there are a lot of strategies out there that we can maneuver to put you in a good situation. But you have to find out what those options are. You can't just kind of flounder around and ignore them and be overwhelmed because overwhelmed. I thought Google went to law school. Are you telling (laughs) us Google did not go to law school? (laughs) They did not go to law school. They didn't. No, they didn't take out student loans for that. (laughs) Uh, So let me ask you this, because I've heard and I'm not an attorney like you are. I've heard that there's certain things that can't be discharged in bankruptcy. For example, student loans. If you have a federal student loan, I don't know what they're called. It's been years, but you can't discharge it. So if you die, for example, then they come and get your assets to pay out the student loan. So we know student loans are not dischargeable in um, in bankruptcy. What are some other things that mm-hmm. are not dischargeable in student loans? And I'm going to fix sorry a in, in bankruptcy. bankruptcy. I'm going to fix a little bit. Student loans are technically not discharged in bankruptcy. There are some ways to discharge student loans. It's getting a little bit easier. There's a oh, hardship wow. test you have to pass. And then also on federal loans, if you pass away, your your debts are discharged for student loans. So your, really? your heirs, yes. Unless they, unless it's a parent plus loan or something like that where you co-signed a debt. But a lot of times the student loans are discharged upon bankruptcy or upon death, excuse me. Now, see, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because I always thought that the government is going to get paid back, whether you're dead or alive. (laughs) And so I had an expert like you on the show, because I wonder how many other people thought the same thing. Yeah, and it depends. The private student loans are harder. If you co-sign a private student loan, they generally don't go away. Um, It's like a a credit card that you co-sign upon death. But then other things in bankruptcy that you can't discharge. There are very few things that you can't discharge in bankruptcy. Um, A lot of people think you can't get rid of taxes in bankruptcy, but you can actually get rid of older taxes. There's a long test. There's some analysis done with it. But I do a lot of tax work inside the bankruptcy court. And then spousal support and child support are other two big areas. You can't get rid of those while you're in bankruptcy. You can make arrangements to catch them up through bankruptcy, but you can't discharge your spousal support or your child support. However, if you get divorced and you have a property settlement, meaning she's going to get $200,000 and I'm going to keep the house, that is dischargeable in a chapter 13. So you have to be really careful when you're divorcing to make sure that your agreement fits with what you think your future looks like. So good attorneys, good legal advice for family law is important. So So what are the major uh, types of bankruptcies? So chapter seven bankruptcy is the one that most people think of. It's a technically a liquidation of assets, meaning the trustee looks at what you have. If you have assets to sell, they sell them and they pay your creditors. 95% of cases in Chapter 7 don't actually involve any liquidation at all. They're called no-asset cases. And the reason for that is you have a lot of exemptions you can use to keep your assets, which is how you can keep your house, cars, sometimes cash, depending on the state that you live in. You can keep up to $30,000 in cash in California and file for bankruptcy and keep it. So Chapter 7 is the one where you're just file and you're done 90 days and you're credit card debt goes away. It doesn't help you with mortgage debt. It doesn't help with car loans. It doesn't help with things like that, but it's mostly credit card debt. The other chapter that most individuals and small business owners are looking at is chapter 13. And chapter 13 is a reorganization plan. So basically you go into court and say, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I need to reorganize these debts. I'm going to pay back some taxes. I'm going to catch up my mortgage. But all these credit cards, I can't afford to pay them. And they go away in chapter 13. 
So chapter 13 is a hugely powerful tool to reorganize debts and pay back stuff that's not discharged and get rid of stuff that can be the bad debt that's out there. So very briefly, those are the two different chapters that most people are looking at. Now, in another lifetime, I mean, a long time ago, I declared bankruptcy and mm-hmm. it was just, it was a paltry amount. I mean, I was just starting out on my own mm-hmm. and I got overwhelmed and it was it was I can't remember the number, but it was like teeny tiny. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really small. But one of the things I had a brand new pickup truck. It was like one of those Azuzu pups, one of those small, tiny yep. pickup trucks that's too little to go on its own. And what my lawyer told me is there's a term that I could claim it. So I didn't want to put that on the bankruptcy. What is that term? So you can reaffirm a debt. Yes, that's what it was. Yep. So, and to clear up a confusion out there, you put everything goes into a bankruptcy, all your debts go in, how they're dealt with can be different. So if you want to keep your truck, then you let the the lender know that you're going to reaffirm the debt, or you're going to keep making payments on it, that kind of thing. So yeah, everything goes into bankruptcy, but you come out with the things that you want to get basically. Now, I'm imagining that people who declare bankruptcy who make, let's say, under $100,000 a year, a lot different than if you make a million dollars or more a year and you got boats and Lamborghinis and stuff like that because they've got more assets. Is that true? Yeah, it's a different process because you're trying to see what we can keep exempt and what we can have for you going forward. So if someone has a significantly high income, but they have business debts, they can still do a chapter seven. They may have to give up assets. And strategically, sometimes that makes sense to have them give up assets to get rid of a huge amount of debt. So a lot of times it's just the strategy, like we could do X, Y, or Z, which one of them is most appealing to you at this point. And a lot of it comes down to the emotions and trying to figure out what they want their lives to look like and how long they want to put up with the stress before they they solve it. Yeah, that's the big thing because we, we started the show talking about stress. And yep. when you are stressed, you can't be productive, mm-hmm. makes Mr. Productivity here unhappy, but then it affects your health. Because if you have all the stress, then you're more likely to get sick and then you may not go to your job as often. They may let you go. And so I I tell people that when you're under stress, do go talk to someone, call a lawyer, call a therapist, go to your, your church, your synagogue or something, Mm -hmm. because you need to talk to somebody. I think we talked about shame a little earlier. The worst thing you can do is pretend that you're the only person in the world that has this issue. You feel ashamed and then you don't talk to anyone and it's going to get worse. The best thing you could do with your creditor is talk to them Yep. because they don't know what's going on. Then they may start legal proceedings. And I think it's just saying, hey, listen, I had a tough time. I'm mm-hmm. really struggling. It doesn't have to be because of pandemic. it could have been because maybe you got sick. You like how I do that, Jen? You like yes. that? Um, because that P word and the C word are yes. being flagged on podcasting platforms. And I just, I got that idea from awaken with JP, by the way, JP Sears. So, okay. uh, but the, the, the issue is if you, if you hold it all in, it's, it's never going to end well. The, the credit is not going to go, Oh, haven't heard from Jen, Jen for a while, or I haven't heard from Mark for a while. We'll just wipe that debt off. That doesn't happen. Okay. What they do is yeah. they get mad. Okay. So you're better off when the creditor calls. Even if they're rude to you, which by law they're not supposed to be, but you know, it's a whole other story. Yeah, who cares? (laughs) But just tell them the truth and document everything. So if you're having a problem 
paying your bills and you talk to the ABC credit company or the ABC and workers company, write down who you talk to, what you said, that way you have a documentation that way you're not relying on your memory. That's got to be something you tell your clients to do. Got overwhelmed? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com. I do. I tell them to communicate and write things down quite often. And I will say from the health perspective, the APA did a study back in 2012. I think some of these studies are older, but it was 2012. And they said that 70% of illnesses are due to stress. Wow. 70% of illnesses are due to stress. And financial stress is the number one cause of stress. And so the the press release they had was your finances are literally making you sick. And I see it all the time. I have clients who come into my office or we meet on Zoom now or wherever we're, whatever we're doing. And they, they look really worn down and tired. And I had a lady a few years ago tell me, I haven't slept in like 30 days. I've been so worried about this credit card debt. And we ended up doing a chapter seven bankruptcy for her. And it was so interesting when she showed up. So when you do a chapter seven, you have to have a meeting with the trustee. Now they're on Zoom or the phone. Back then they were in person. So she showed up for her meeting and she looked 10 years younger. She literally looked and she's like, I have slept every night for 40 nights since I filed my case. And she's like, I didn't know how much this was affecting my like lifestyle by having this hanging over my head until it was gone. Mm. And so I see a lot of anxiety, depression. Unfortunately, I had a lot of um, suicide issues at the beginning (sighs) of the pandemic. Mm. So it's, it's, it really weighs on people and you don't really understand how it's affecting your health, your relationships, and even your productivity. Productivity is, it kills productivity. Yep. Um, when you're in the middle of it, because you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. When I'm doing these interviews with my guests, I always imagine that I can channel my listener. I can't. Okay. It's not a thing. <laughs> But I got to imagine they're like, okay, Jen, I hear what you're saying. And I got a lot of credit card debt. I'm in a, like I'm underwater, mm-hmm. but if I can't pay my creditors, how am I supposed to pay an attorney to file bankruptcy? <laughs> so what I tell people all the time is that you don't have an issue paying things. You have a resource allocation issue. So what an attorney is supposed to be helping you with is figuring out where your be- your funds are best spent. And if you have $100,000 of credit card debt, and I say, hey, for $2,000 or $3,000, I could get rid of $100,000. From an investment standpoint, that's a pretty good ROI, <laughs> right? And so my job and all bankruptcy attorneys' jobs, as far as I'm concerned, is to help you figure out how to get to the point where your stress is gone and then how to help you recover from that. And so a lot of my discussions, we do payment plans, we do all kinds of interesting things to try to get our clients. But if you have that much credit card debt, your minimum payments probably are in the $3,000 range, which is what it would cost to get to get rid of all of it anyway. So yeah, I'm glad it's still a thing to reaffirm. So let's say you just bought a brand new car, you really love the car or a minivan if you're you know got a big family and you can say, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I want to reaffirm this. That I'm glad that's still a thing. Now I heard and tell me, tell me if this is true or not, but the government can't take, or not the government, the courts can't take like the place you live in. Is that true? That's not true. 
Really? So they can, yeah. So if you file a bankruptcy and you don't have good exemption planning, good legal counsel, the trustee can sell your house that you live in and they can pay you your homestead exemption, which depending on the state that you live in could be zero up to some states that's unlimited. So having good legal counsel tell you what's going to happen mm-hmm. is really important so that you can keep the place that you're living in. And going back to reaffirmations real quick, you don't even have to reaffirm most car loans these days, you can just keep paying on it. Oh, okay. Um, so when you reaffirm, you're putting yourself back on the hook for that debt. So if it were to get repoed in the future, they can sue you for the balance. But if you just keep making payments on it and they somehow it gets repoed, you fall into hard times again, they can't sue you for the deficiency on it. So there's, there's strategy involved in whether you would reaffirm something or not and whether you keep it and just make payments on it. So that's why you go get an attorney right, because yeah. they know what they're doing. <laughs> now, one of the thoughts came to my head, which I, I want you to dispel this myth right away. Okay. <laughs> you can't like have a mortgage. Let's say you have a mortgage of two hundred thousand dollars. You um, can't declare bankruptcy, keep the house, and not pay the mortgage anymore, right? No. That, that okay? I didn't. I just want to make sure people <laughs> understand that. So, no, the way it usually what happens is if you're behind on your mortgage and you're in foreclosure, we can file a bankruptcy that allows you to catch up the mortgage over five years. So I can buy ah, you time. And okay. Because I know a lot of people are going through that issue yep. now, and I'm sure that some ears just perked up. They're like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I thought I was going to lose my house, but you're yep. saying what if you're in that situation, what you should do is call an attorney like you mm-hmm. and say, hey, no, no, we can keep your house and we can re we can work with the creditor. Now, do you as an attorney, do you work with the ABC mortgage company? I do sometimes if we're not already in bankruptcy. Once the case gets into bankruptcy, then we have a point of contact because they file a claim. And so we have an attorney we can contact. So yes, there is a lot of negotiation that's done. Sometimes there doesn't need to be any negotiation because the bankruptcy code tells me what I can do and I can make them do what they're supposed to do. But yeah, I do a lot of negotiating and talking with creditors in general. Because I know several people that are stressed on how am I going to keep my house? Yeah. Because they got, because of, because of the, you know what they got behind on their payments. And now I'm going to, I'm going to tell them about this episode because now you go in the bankruptcy attorney and you can still keep your house. You don't get the house for free, but they're (laughs) going to protect you from losing your house. I did not know that was an option. And I got to believe a lot of my listeners didn't know the option. They just thought, well, I'm behind. They're foreclosing on me. I'm out of luck. But the first thing you should do is not panic reach out to someone like you and say, uh, what do I do? And then you'll sit there and like, don't worry, we got this. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. And to be honest, that's why I call myself a debt and credit attorney and not a bankruptcy attorney, because Ah. most people who need bankruptcy don't even know that that's what they should be asking for, or they have some kind of misconception about what it is. And so on the debt and credit side, there are a lot of people I can keep out of bankruptcy if they come see me early enough. And Ah. so I like to to tell people that we let's deal with financial stress. And if bankruptcy is one of the tools, then great. But you don't have to know to ask for it from the very beginning. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've run into that are so financially stressed because they didn't know this option yep. and go call an attorney and ask, what are my options? Don't go to Google who didn't get a law degree. Go to someone who went to school and say, oh, this is not as bad as you think it right. is. Here are options A, B, and C. And then as soon as you hear that magic phrase, it's then amazing. your stress level is going to, it's going to go down. Yes. It's amazing to see like the physical transformation in my office of someone who comes in and they're all hunched over and I start talking and they're like, 
wait, this isn't as bad as I thought. Wait, you can help me? And by the end, they're all sitting up straight and their shoulders are relaxed. So it's really amazing to see. I love what I do in case you couldn't tell, but it's really amazing to see with my clients how, how much their lives change through what I do. Well, I'm definitely going to share this episode when it comes out to everyone because they, people need to know this, that you're, well, you're not going to be sent to Gulag. You're not going to be sent to Siberia. They're not going to put you in the electric chair in front of the firing squad. You're a human being. And I got to believe most courts, if not all, are going to treat you with dignity and respect. Hey, you know, most people who have financial problems didn't do something like they got suckered into gambling or an opioid addiction. Most people are just like, Hey, we had this unfortunate event starting in 2020. Uh, you know, like my wife, for example, she worked in the travel industry that was closed down for a year and a half. And that, that was not something she did. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I got to believe more people are in that camp because their jobs were shut down than people who like lost everything because of gambling. And yeah. so the courts are going to like, Hey, we understand let's work on the agreement. And that's where you come in. Yeah. And that, and most of the time I'm telling the, the clients what to expect and how it's going to go through the system and what we can do and what we can't do. Part of what I do is setting expectations. So they know that, you know, they're going to ask you questions about, you know, where you live to make sure that you're not hiding any assets to make sure that you're not, you know, being dishonest in some way, but most debtors aren't dishonest. It's a few unfortunate ones out there, but mm-hmm. most people had something happen. They either had a divorce, which causes a lot of financial stress yeah. or they lost their job, medical issue. It's not because you're irresponsible most of the time. It's because something happened and then it went downhill from there. So let's say someone gets served foreclosure papers, which they knew was coming. Okay. Yeah. They knew it. It's not a surprise. You're foreclosed on yeah. and they reach out to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, uh, Jen, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. Is it too late once they've been served foreclosure papers? It's not it's too late. Not, it's not too late. So we can stop a foreclosure up till the day of the sale. However, wow. the longer you wait, the more expensive and harder it becomes to do that. So for example, in California, you know, 111 days before a foreclosure sale is scheduled because of the the timelines that you get a notice of default and then they have to wait 90 days. So I tell people, as soon as you get that notice of default, you should start looking for options because our human little mind waits until the very last minute because we're scared to look at it. Yep. And so that's what happens. And I'm like, no, just call someone and talk to them and find out what your options are before it's super expensive and really stressful to get you to that point. So now, do you have to go to an attorney like you in your city or state, or can you do it like nationwide? So attorneys are regulated state by states. So bankruptcy is federal law, but each state has their own little quirks on it. So you okay. need to go to an attorney that's licensed in the state that you're you're filing and usually where you live. And so I'm licensed in California and North Dakota. So my cases are in California and North Dakota. But if you reach out to me with an issue, I do a lot of financial consulting nationwide. And then I also have a huge network of bankruptcy attorneys that I refer people into. If okay. if we talk to them and like, oh, you need to talk to a bankruptcy attorney in your state, then I connect Excellent. them. Excellent. Well, this has been, you know, <laughs> anybody who listens to this, this conversation with you, Jen, and and they're under stress, if they don't feel better, just from listening to this and realizing that you're not going to go to prison or, you know, be, be decapitated. Okay. It's not going to happen. Right. 
and all you have to do is reach out to an attorney. If you don't have one, Jen just told you. And at the end of the show, she's going to tell you how to get a hold of her. And then she can, like, if you're in Rhode Island or in my state of Texas or Florida, then she probably knows someone that she trusts that recommends. So take a deep breath. Okay. It's okay. You're not alone. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We got this. So before we wrap up, before you tell us where we can find out more about you, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to share with us on the show today? Yes. <laughs> if you have retirement funds and a 401k or an IRA, do not cash them out to pay credit card debt. What happened during the last recession was a lot of people started cashing out their 401ks, taking 401k loans to pay off credit card debt, and then still had to file bankruptcy. And now we're 12, 13 years later, and they don't have any retirement funds. So, and those are protected in bankruptcy. Your retirement accounts cannot be touched by creditors. And so when when you cash them out, you've then turned them into something that creditors can get to. So I don't want that same cycle to happen again from what I was seeing back in 2008, 9, and 10. Wow. I did not know that. I The one funny story, I say funny, air quotes here, a funny story. My mom, she passed away in June, but about six years ago before Alzheimer's began to get a grip on her. No, back. I'm sorry, back in 2008 when the recession would hit. She would call me and she goes, I'm losing all my money in the stock market. I said, mom, I'm not an expert, a financial expert, (laughs) but if you don't take it out, you haven't lost money because the value is assigned when you withdraw the money. She goes, yes, I didn't take it out, but I've lost it. Well, three, four phone calls later, I realized she did take it out because I I know enough about finances. I'm not an expert like you or financial planners, but I know if you don't take it out, if it goes from a hundred to a penny. And it goes back up to a hundred and you take it out. You still have a hundred dollars. Right. Exactly. So the value is assigned when you withdraw it. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. Which is the so point don't you withdraw. just made. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm so glad we had this conversation because I had some myths that I did not know and you busted through them. And now I know when you're stressed financially, call someone who knows what your options are don't go to Google. Please don't go to Google and don't ask your Uncle Fred unless Uncle <laughs> Fred's an attorney. Okay. If Uncle's a Fred, if Uncle Fred's an attorney, you can go ask him. But if he's not an attorney, don't ask Uncle Fred. Go to an expert like Jen because she knows the truth. So Jen, where can people go to find out more about you? Or if they have a financial question or, hey, do you know an attorney in my area? How would they do that? So my website is jenleelaw.com, very easy website. And I do have a podcast called Debt Therapy, which you can find on all the- I love that. <laughs> because it's, it's a fun topic. And LinkedIn is also a great place if you're a business owner or in the business world. I do a lot of LinkedIn connecting. So just Jen Lee Law on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, counselor, I didn't say that the whole show, but counselor, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you being here. This was an incredible episode. Everyone needs to hear it. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before you go, it would mean the world to me, and I mean the world, if you would do me a quick favor. Share this episode with one person you know that needs to hear it. Because life tends to get in the way, do it right now. I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can, and you sharing this episode with someone would help me on that mission. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again real soon.